0: Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. Uh, let, me, let me just jump into it, and I think it'll explain itself. But we just want to talk this morning about praying through our pain. We all have it. We all, if you're not in a period of pain right now, you're either coming out of one or you're getting ready to go into one. Okay, That's one of the things about life is, is we go through these cycles, and one of the cycles is we go through periods of pain. How do you talk to God? When you're going through those periods so James says this in verse 13 chapter 5 is anyone among you in trouble Let him pray is anyone happy let him sing songs of praise is anyone among you sick Let them call the elders of the church to pray over you and anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person Well the Lord will raise them up if they have sinned they will be forgiven Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three days. And a half years. So before I get into any remarks, I would just point out to you that I read to you four passages of Scripture from the book of James, and the word prayer comes up five different times. This is a passage about how to pray in pain. The second thing I'd say is this. There are four different kinds of situations that James talks about. He talks about emotionally distressing situations. He's going you know, to talk about relationally happy situations. He's going to talk about physically painful situations. Situations. And fourthly, he's going to talk about spiritually harmful situations. And he's going to give us some instruction on each of those. And then the third thing that, that I would do is I would call your attention to that last verse, uh, last part of verse 16, when it says, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Uh, I would, if you've got your Bible open and you're a note taker and you're somebody that writes in your Bible, I would have you circle the word powerful. The prayer of a, a person living right. Is powerful. So if, if there's somebody that, you know, they've got their life right with God and they're praying, it's a, James says, that's a powerful thing. Uh, the Greek word there is the word energo. Does that sound vaguely familiar to you? Energo. It's from which we get the word energy, right? Energo. It's, it's energy. We use that word all the time. It, it's, it's the prayers of, pers- of a person who walks with God, the prayers of a person who lives right with God has energy. It has um, it's powerful it's effective and so i just want to focus you for just a moment on the 5 p's of prayer i don't you don't need to write these down but these are just good for us to hear prayer is our greatest privilege because we get to talk to god i mean think about it you have a wide open hotline to talk to god anytime you want to think about that for just a minute no one limits you no one says you can't do that you're allowed to talk to God anytime you want to. Prayer is a great privilege. Prayer is our greatest power because it can do whatever God can do. Prayer can do in our life whatever God wants to do in us. Prayer has the greatest potential for relieving pain. Number four, prayer is the greatest prescription for any situation that you would find yourself in. We, you know, Sometimes we're happy, sometimes we're not. Sometimes we're going through hardship, relational hardship, financial hardship. Prayer is the prescription for all those things. And then finally, prayer is the greatest provision. Prayer is one of the greatest gifts you can give to anybody that you love. If someone comes up to you and says, would you please pray for me? It's one of the greatest gifts you can give somebody is to pray for them. Today, I'm going to teach you how to pray for yourself and how to pray for healing for other people who are sick. So we're going to try to to go after three questions today. The first question is, when should we pray for healing? The second is, how do we pray for healing? And then the last one is, what kind of person can pray for healing? So let's start with the first one. When should we pray for healing? This passage in James tells us that there are three specific times that we should pray for healing. The first one is, I pray when when I'm feeling emotional pain. I'm going to pray when I feel emotional pain. He says, and is any one of you in trouble? Let them pray. Now that word trouble is an interesting word in Greek. It's the word kakopathea. Kakapatheia And in Greek, that's the word for stress. It's, it's a mental or an emotional uh, suffering. It's when you're troubled and you're stressed out, when, you know, in your mind and your, your heart are troubled. It's when you're ready to give up. It's when you're ready to let go of the rope, right? You just... You just don't know how much more you can take. You don't know if you can do this anymore. Um, you don't know if you can do that relationship. You don't know if you can do that job. You don't know if you can do that, that financial thing anymore. You just, you're, you're pushed to the point that you're, you're stressed out. In other places in scripture, this word gets translated hardship, right? We all are either, again, we're coming out of hardship or we're getting ready to go into hardship. Some of you are in it right now. Um, the technical definition of this little Greek word means internal distress due to external circumstances. Internal stress, internal distress due to external circumstances. You may have just had a belly full of that this week, right? Internal stress due to some external circumstance. Um, when things are hard in your life, you need to pray. Pray. When you are stressed out, when you're stretched to the limit, you need to pray. When your heart is breaking into a thousand pieces, you need to pray. When the tensions are at an all-time high and you just don't know how you're going to be able to take it anymore, you need to pray. When troubles are coming so fast at you that you can't even sort them out, you can't even distinguish one from another, it just feels like one big blob of boo. you know, stress everywhere. And you don't know what to do or what to do with them, and it's like, man, God, they're coming so fast, I don't know what to do. You just need to pray. See, when you've had one of those days or one of those weeks or one of those months or maybe a lifetime where things just are not going the way you need them to go, you should be a person of prayer. You say, well, Brett, that's great. What do I pray about? I mean, how, how do I pray? What do I talk to God about? A good place to start is to just ask God for wisdom. Earlier in the book of James, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he says this in the first chapter of the book, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all. Now, there are some questions that go along with that. One of the questions is, God, did I cause this trouble? I mean, I got this thing going on in my world. Am I responsible for this in some way? Did I do something to to bring this on to me? I need the wisdom to know that. Did I bring this stress on my life? Have I invited this this unnecessary stress? Would this have happened if I had dealt with something differently in my world? There's a lot of stress in our life that can be self-inflicted, right? You ever gone through a period where you're like, man, I cannot get out of my own way. I mean, my problems are of my own making. God, are you trying to use this pain to get my attention or to pull me in another direction? See, sometimes you get stressed and sometimes you get troubled because you're doing the wrong thing. Sometimes the stress comes because you're just not doing what you ought to be doing or you're trying to do something that you, you shouldn't be doing and you need to change it. You just need to stop doing the wrong thing. But there are other times when you get stressed out and you're doing the right thing. You, you, you know, you would look at God and you'd say, God, I'm, I'm trying to do the right thing here. And it's possible sometimes that in trying to do the right thing that the way we're doing it needs to change. It's not that your motive is bad. Your motive may be very good. But, you, you know, the tact that you're taking, the, 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 the strategy that you're using may need to be tweaked or it may need to be changed in some way. And, and, and you know, you just say, God, would you show me? I mean, I think I'm doing the right. My, my motive is good. But am I approaching this the right way? God, am I doing the, the, the wrong thing or am I doing the right thing? I'm just doing it the wrong way. Psalm 18, verse 46, King David says this. In my distress, I called to the Lord. Now, here's what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, in my distress, I turned on the television. He doesn't say that. He does not say, in my distress, I got on Facebook. Right? Now, there are an awful lot of people that in their distress, that's where they go. They go to Facebook to make sure everybody knows they're distressed. In my distress, I ate a large supreme pizza. In my distress, I drank In my distress, I looked at pornography. You know, in my distress, I took it out on my spouse. In my distress, I made my kids pay for it. There's a lot of things that we can do in our distress. No, he says, in my distress, I called to the Lord. God says, every time you come into stress, talk to me about it. Don't repress it, don't suppress it. I want you to confess it, and I want you to express it. Tell God. When you're troubled, you need to pray. Now, in the passage right before this, in verse 12, he actually talks about not swearing, which is pretty much the default position for a lot of us, right? In our distress and in our pain. I mean, let's just think about it. Pain happens and words happen, right? It's just kind of, you can say that's not you, but it is a lot of us, I'll just will say. Don't say it now. Don't, Don't say it out loud, but swearing can be a typical response to the pain that we encounter. Um, but let me just tell you, swearing has never solved a problem. Swearing has never taken the pain out of your thumb or whatever else. Swearing has never um, made it better, right? It just, it, that doesn't help. So let me offer something different than swearing. Let me channel my inner Johnny Cochran right now and if you're under 30, you have no idea what I'm talking about, but. Don't swear, try prayer. How about that? I mean, that's just pure solid gold right there. Now, don't swear, try prayer. It, it, life isn't always that bad. Sometimes things go great, right? Like in, and that's the second part of the verse. That's another time when you're supposed to talk to God Was when you're happy. Because not all the time are things going bad in your life. There's times when things are going great. And when things are going great, have you you ever had somebody in your life, I'm looking at you, kids, you ever had somebody in your life that the only time you ever heard from them was when things were going bad, right? I got grown kids. The only time my kids call me is when they need something, right? Dad. When things are going good, when they've got stuff to rejoice over, when it's all fun and games and they're having a ball and they're doing all this cool stuff with their friends, they're not talking to dear old dad. I'm a million miles away as far as they're concerned, but boy, you let the car break down and let it be expensive. Dad! An insurance issue you know, or something in life that they don't quite, you know, they've ne- they're still learning and they haven't quite navigated. That's when you kind of hear from them. And, and isn't that the case? Have you ever had somebody that the only time they ever came around you was when they needed you? And when that happens, how do you feel? You feel a little used, right? You feel a little taken advantage of. That's kind of how we treat God. When things are great, God doesn't really hear from us. When God's hearing from us is when things aren't going that good, when, when, when it's, we're down in the, the muck and the mire and, and it's all distress and it's all, you know, we're all weirded out and now we're crying out to God. I mean, he has our full undivided attention. When things are great, we're not often coming back behind that going, God, things are awesome right now and I just want to say thanks. Things are awesome right now. I just want you to know I still worship you. Even though it's awesome, you're in charge. I just want you to know I get it. You're blessing me. I just want to say thanks. So sometimes... It's, it doesn't have to be bad stuff. Sometimes it's when things are going great that you want to praise and you want to talk to and you want to pray to God. Second part of James 5.13 says this, is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Now, I don't know if you realize this or not, but singing is a form of prayer. When we come in here on Sunday morning and, and we're singing, and, and I, I'm so thankful for Allie this morning. Uh, Shelby is away at a conference with her, she's, she's in a, she participates in a, a worship band, and they kind of travel a little bit and do some different events, and that's where she is this weekend, leading at a, a teen convention, I believe, and so Allie has stepped in, but when you come in, and Allie's leading, or, or Shelby's leading us, and I know, I've heard people say, you know, it's just weird to go to church because they sing, you know, it's just, I'm not, I don't, I don't like to sing with people. I mean, think about it. There are very few places that we go in our society where when we come together as a group, we sing. I mean, maybe if you go to your, you know, if you went to ISU and they sing the fight song or they sing the alma mater, you might sing along with that. Um, when we go to a, a baseball game, usually they start with the, the Star Spangled Banner and we know the words of that, we might sing. But we don't go many places as with big groups where we sing a lot. But when you come to church... We do, and I've had people say, Brett, I mean, just, it just seems, it just kind of weirds me out a little bit. Well, you know, here's the thing. It's a form of prayer. That's why I encourage you to sing. I don't want you to just stand there and look at the words. I want you to sing, because what you're doing is you're offering prayers. I want you to, to kind of take what's on the screen and say, God, that's me. That's me. That's how I feel about you. I want to I say that to you, because that means something to me, and that's how I feel. Scripture, almost all the prayers that you see in the Bible were sung most of them were not spoken they were most of them were sung the psalms are all prayers that were sung to god so here's a pro tip for you when you don't know what to say to god in prayer just if there's a song that you like that maybe you listen to wbgl or something like that and that song's just in your head have you ever we talked about earworms a couple months ago remember that you ever get an earworm in your head it's like just you're singing that same praise thing use that as a prayer to god Say, God, I I really like this song. I like what it's saying. It kind of speaks my mind to you. I want you to take this as a gift from me. I want to sing this to you. Philippians says this, rejoice in the Lord always. Not just when things are good. Colossians says, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. So I should pray whenever I feel emotional pain. Number two, I should pray when I'm feeling physical pain. And you see people doing this all through the scriptures. Verses 14 through 16. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church to pray over you and anoint uh, you with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you May be healed so when you're sick you should pray now the word that, that is translated there sick really means without strength that's, that's what we're talking about it's it's um, you're, you're bedridden okay this isn't this is a different a lot of times when we say we're sick it's not it's not this um, this is you're so you're so sick you can't get up out of bed you're so weak you can't go to work this is a serious illness I'm not talking about a cold or or you know a virus or indigestion or um, you know post nasal drip or something like that this is talking about being really really sick the the, the Greek word that's used here is the word osteneo. osteneo which means major illness okay it's this is this says this got a bunch of people's attention uh, this could be life threatening this is the word that the Christian Bible uses when it talks about Lazarus got sick when they told Jesus, hey, your friend Lazarus is sick. What that word translates as, major illness. This is not good. He, he's, he's really sick. It's the same word that is used to describe the man, the lame person beside the pool there at Bethesda. And, and he's been there for decades, unable to move. These are serious things. And, and if you're going to ask the elders to come pray for you, which is the Bible states that that's, you know, when you get sick enough, that that's something that you can do. And if you ever called our church and said, hey, I'm so sick. I want the elders to come pray for me. Well, that could happen. Um, but James is pretty clear here. It, it needs to be, you know, of a fairly weighty, it needs to be a you know, pretty good sickness for you to do that. Uh, in verse 15, we see a different word for sickness, and it's the word komno. And, and that's really, the best way to put that is, is like um, um, chronic fatigue. Like chronic fatigue syndrome, where you're just listless, you're worn out, you you don't really have the ability to to move, you're so weak that you have this chronic fatigue. Scripture talks about three different kinds of sickness. First of all, it talks about the sickness of death. The second is the sickness of discipline, and the third is the sickness for the glory of God. Now, the sickness for death, we all get this one eventually. This is the one that's going to take us out. Like, this is the one that Jesus uses to call us home. There's a point that we're all going to come to where we're going to get sick with something and, and you know, we're going to be tempted to, to pray for somebody that God would heal them and God's response is going to be, no, this is the one I'm going to use to bring them home, okay? Your, your prayers for healing here, I mean, I appreciate it, but you don't understand. They're coming to me. They're, they're done. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take them out with this one. Um, the second kind of sickness is the sickness for discipline. This is when God uses an illness to get our attention and, or maybe to, to point us in a different direction or a new direction. Uh, you find this type of sickness in 1 Corinthians 11. If you, like if you eat a whole bunch of sugar and you get diabetes, is that God's fault? No, no. You, you got sick because you got the sickness of discipline. You, you didn't eat right. And, you know, there's all kinds of things in our world where we can, we can engage in certain behaviors and we can get sick from those behaviors. And it's not that God did anything wrong. It's not that, that, that you know, anybody else did anything wrong. It's, it's a discipline issue and we got sick from it. And then finally, this, the third kind is the, the sickness for the glory of God. Um, God can get glory in your illness in a number of different ways. He can, first of all, get glory by miraculously healing you right? Like that all sounds good to me. If I get sick and God's going to heal me, that's awesome. I love that. But he can also get glory in my illness, even if I don't get healed. Well, I don't, Brad, I don't know if I like that. Well, hold on. I mean, sometimes what God's looking for is, are you going to glorify me even though I'm not going to fix that? Are you going to glorify me even if I don't make you better? Are you going to glorify me even if I take you through a season where it's going to get really, really hard for you? It's, the, it's the, the sickness for the glory of God. God, I'm going to trust you in my pain. I'm going to trust you as I go through this hardship. I'm going to trust you in my physical pain. I wish you would heal me, but God, even if you don't heal me, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to give you glory. Um, I want to talk for just a moment about uh, several different groups of people and the way they pray. And if you are familiar with me and if you come to church here often, you know that I don't often talk this way, okay? So give me a little grace. In fact, I would tell you, um, always give a public speaker grace. I don't care who the public speaker is. Always give them a little grace because it doesn't take too much to step out of bounds, all right? Now that I've said that, you really want to hear what I'm going to say next, don't you? Right? Like, if you, if you were asleep before, you're awake now, aren't you? Um, I'm going to talk about several different groups of people, and I want to do this respectfully, but uh, I'm going to talk about some people that do things differently than we do them or the way we look at them at Cross Lane. Uh, my name's Brett. I'm your friend. I'm here to tell you the truth. I don't want you to be misled. There are several different groups out there, and their approach to sickness and healing is just different and not the way I would do it, and I don't really, again, I want to be careful how I say this, I wonder if it's the way God would have them do it. But the first group I would talk about is the sensationalist. The sensationalist. This is the guy that you see usually on television, 2000 $2,500 suit, right? Pocket square, he's sharp. I mean, he's sharp. If it's female, she's got a really nice dress on. They look sharp. The females, for whatever reason, tend to really do up the makeup thing. I'm not really sure what that's about. But, and the guys tend to slick the hair, right? But, but really sharp suits, very well dressed, and they're the ones that are knocking people over, and they breathe on people, and they just kind of collapse. Have you you know what I'm talking about? Have you seen that? It's the sensationalist. You know, here's what I would say about that. Look, if that's... Maybe God can use that. I don't know. I just... Here's what I know. Jesus was not a show-off. I just, there's no part of me that can ever imagine Jesus on a stage, dressed up like that, carrying on like that. Now, if you can, then let's just admit we have a different view of what Jesus would be like, and, and that's okay, I guess. But Jesus was not a sensationalist. Jesus was not a manipulator. He didn't do that to people. He he didn't say, come on down tonight to the Sea of Galilee. We're going to have this healing show and, uh, you know, we're going to heal all these people. That's not how Jesus did it. Most of the time, what what happened with Jesus was he healed somebody and then later it became a public thing. He healed them in private. And then later you would hear about it publicly. In fact, sometimes he would heal somebody and he would say, don't tell anybody. I don't want anybody to know this. Just don't, don't say anything to anybody. Now, there's another group. That's the sensationalist. There's another group called the confessionalist, the confessionalist, and their their whole thing is um, their name it and claim it. With them, all you have to do is, I'm going to be healed, and God's got to heal you, right? You'll be healed. They believe that all sickness is the result of sin. That's not necessarily true. They believe that it is a lack of faith that causes sickness. That's not necessarily true. They believe that if you are not healed, it is due to your lack of faith, and that is simply not true, and it contradicts what we're told in the pages of Scripture. It also creates a lot of false guilt and shame that God never intended for us. If you're going through all kinds of guilt and shame with God, there's no reason for that because Christ died for us, and he offers forgiveness. All of that can be dealt with when you receive the forgiveness of God. That's the whole reason Jesus came was to get rid of guilt and shame. So what the confessionalists do is they turn God, kind, they kind of turn God into a genie. And, and his, his whole thing is he lives now to serve me. He lives to dispense whatever it is that I want. And my prayers are almost like a coin that I put into this machine of some kind, this vending machine, and I just put this prayer in there and then I can expect God to come and do whatever it is because in some way God owes me. And what this ends up doing is it turns God into my servant instead of turning me into God's servant. The confessionalist will tell you that it's always God's will to heal you. I don't know that that's, I don't believe that's true. We know from scripture that many of the saints in the Bible and people throughout history suffered their entire lives with some form of pain or illness. And often it was their pain that drove them to dependence on God, right? Like they got so sick, Or their illness was so strong that it just drove them to their knees, it drove them to utter dependence on God. 1 Corinthians 12, Paul asks for healing three different times. And God's response to Paul is, no, I'm not taking that away from you, you're going to have to live with that. Can you imagine being Paul? I mean, God, I'm Paul for crying out loud. I do all this work for you. I've traveled all over the place. God, if you would take this away, I could be so much more effective. Do you not understand that I need you to take this away from me? I mean, I would imagine Paul had a pretty compelling case. And I met, it says three different times. I think what that means is he begged God. And God's response was, no, I'm not gonna heal you. It, 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 it doesn't make sense to us, Right? God has his reasons, and I don't know what they are. Now, you or I, neither one, are a better Christian than Paul. And if God is going to look at Paul and say, I'm not going to heal you, then there is going to be a time probably in your life when God looks at you and says, you know what, you're going to have to live with that. I'm I'm not taking that away. You're just going to have to put up with that. Hebrews 11 talks about these people who were healed. They were sick. They were martyred. They were maimed. They, they went through all kinds of diseases. They were heroes of the faith, but they weren't healed, all of them. The Bible actually talks a lot about suffering in Philippians. It says, You have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for Him. You know that suffering can be turned back into a gift of praise for God. When you go through difficulty and hardship in your life, you can take that and say, God, I'm going to take this suffering and this hardship, and I'm just going to bundle all this up, and I'm going to bring it, and I'm going to make it a gift to you. I I will persevere through this as a gift to you. You could do that. See, we like the first part of that verse about trusting. We like the idea of being children of God. We aren't too crazy about suffering for him. Later in the, in the book uh, that Peter wrote, the first book Peter wrote, he says, Those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Just keep doing good. When you're in pain, just keep doing good. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Just keep per- persevere. Keep, don't complain. Don't. Don't whine, just keep doing good. This is a hard thing for us to swallow, but according to that, sometimes suffering is God's will. Sometimes sickness is God's will. Sometimes pain is God's will for our life. Now, that doesn't always compute with me, and I don't know that I can make that make sense for you, but that is a hard truth. Here's a hard truth. I don't like this, but it's true. God is more interested in your character than he is in your comfort. I don't like that. I don't like that. I'm all about my comfort. I mean, you come to my house, I got a nice soft chair that I sit in. I got a little blanket beside me. If I get a little chilly, I can put my blanket over me. I got a little pillow there. If I want to take a nap, I can prop my head up. I'm all about the comfort, right? Nice cold drinks sitting there. If I get thirsty, I get, if I want something to eat, I, I'm taken care of. I'm all about it. I wish that said God is more interested in your comfort than he is your character, but that's not true. God is interested in your character. He's interested in my character. So the sensationalist is out there showing off and manipulating people. The confessionalist is out there saying that God wants to heal everybody. But at the other end of the spectrum is a, is a couple of guys too, and they're kind of at the opposite, but it, I, I think it's equally wrong. One is the, the cessationist. The cessationists, these are the people who believe that all miracles stopped at the end of the New Testament. That when the New Testament's over, no more miracles. They would say that miracles do not happen today. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. I've been in ministry in one form or another for almost 40 years of my life. Okay, almost 40 years. And I'm just telling you, you could not convince me that miracles have stopped. You just can't. Let me share a passage with you. This comes from Hebrews. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same Jesus who was healing physical bodies 2,000 years ago is the same Jesus who is healing bodies today. Uh, So that's the cessationist. Uh, Next you have the rationalist. And here's what the rationalist says. The rationalist says, all sickness is just an illusion. You're not really sick. It's in your mind. right? And if you would just... Change your thoughts, then you won't have pain in your body anymore. Just for reference, the Christian science movement, this is kind of how they look at things. I would refer to them as a cult. I don't recognize them as a legitimate religious outfit, but that's kind of how they look at it. You know, it's all in your mind. You just deny what's happening to you, and somehow it's just going to all go away. See, cross-lane is none of the things that I just described for you. You say, well, Brett, what are we? I mean, what do we believe? What do do we think scripture teaches us? Uh, First of all, we believe that miracles still happen. We believe that miracles still happen. Now, I know somebody is in here and they're probably thinking to themselves, (laughs) Brett thinks miracles happen. That's cute. That's cute. Brett, it's just a coincidence. They're just coincidences. They're not miracles. Okay, you see it your way. I'm not going to argue with you. If, if you don't buy into miracles, that's fine. I'm just going to tell you coincidences seem to happen an awful lot more often in my life when I am in the presence of great prayers and great faith. I've seen it too many times. I've, I've, I've been in hospital rooms around people that doctors are saying they are dying. They're dying. And I've watched a group of people say, oh, you want to, you think so? We're about to pray. We're going to find out. I've seen it in my own mother's life. I've seen people walk in here and tell me things, and they're like, Brett, this is not good. And the only way that this gets better is if God steps in. We pray a little bit. Next thing you know, hi-ho, you hear, hey, that all worked out. Hmm. That's a great coincidence. Funny how that happens in the presence of great faith and good prayers. So, you know, you don't have to believe in that. I'm just telling you that at Cross Lane, we believe in praying for people. We, there's a list of names on your, you've got a bulletin that's got a list of names. There's, I've got a list in my office of people that I'm praying for. Lost people, people going through hard stuff. you come up to me? Brett, would you pray for me? I do my best to go and write that down so that I'm praying for you by name. Coincidences seem to happen a whole lot more often in the presence of faith and prayer. That's all I know i've just seen an awful lot of coins dave butts who spoke for me last week was a sick sick man a year ago two years ago sick i saw pictures of him on facebook and i thought to myself oh my goodness we're not going to have dave much longer he preached for me last week miracles are rare if they happened all the time they wouldn't be miracles They are unusual, but I believe they happen and they just don't happen to everybody and they don't happen all the time. God does want to heal people. We believe that. But we have to understand that not everyone who wants to be healed will be healed. That's the hard part of this. Even Jesus didn't heal everybody. When he healed the the lame man at the pool uh, by Bethesda, when you read that story, it's not hard to kind of imagine that Jesus, as he walked to this man or or got to this man it's highly likely that he had to walk past a bunch of other people who were also sick and we're not told that he stopped and touched them all and healed them all that's not what we're told he healed one guy that day jesus spent a a lot of time here on on earth doing ministry and when he left there were a lot of sick people that were still here jesus did not heal everybody So I have my, my part to pray, and God has his part. I, I'm, I'm to pray. I'm, I'm to pray for, for miracles. I'm to pray for healing. Well, Brett, how do I do that? Well, in this passage we're looking at today in James, he talks about two kinds of praying. He talks about, first of all, he talks about the, the leaders of the church are to pray for the church family. And then secondly, he talks about how you as a church member are to pray for your church family. Both are important, and both... Are essential having your pastors and elders praying for you and having the members uh, of the church pray for each other is a very very important thing so how do we do that how do we pray for healing and you're like man this is i've never heard brett talk this way before well i don't want you to think that i don't believe this stuff I, i believe that god heals people i just don't believe god heals everybody we ask we pray god this is our will but Your will comes before our will. So let me give you some quick steps. Number one, ask the leaders of your church to pray for you. Ask the leaders of your church to pray for you. James uh, chapter 5, verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them or to pray over you and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. This is a benefit that belongs with the church family. This is why you need to belong to a church family. I want you to notice something in this passage. I want you to notice who does the calling. Let them call the elders of the church. See, the elders aren't setting up a tent, having a healing service and saying, hey, we're going we're to set up this tent, we're going to have this healing service, y'all come and we're going to pray for you and you're going to get healed. That's not what we're told. The leaders don't do the calling, the sick person does the calling. This is a house call. This is a private service. You call the the elders of your church to come to you. And remember, this isn't like, this isn't cold and flu situation. This isn't, um, this is about people who are really sick, okay? These are serious, dire, um, worrisome kind of things. Like, we don't know what's going to happen here. It's a private thing. We're not putting the sick person on show. We're not trying to pressure them in any way. We're not embarrassing them in any way. If Jesus had wanted to put on a healing show, he certainly could have done that. Right? He he could have done that, but he didn't. In In the Christian Bible, the healing was more often than not a private thing that we later learned about in a public way. In a private prayer of healing, people feel loved, they don't feel used, they don't feel manipulated. A person who has the gift of healing, if they have that gift, shouldn't be having some big arena show and, and hey, look at me and how I'm able to heal all these people. They should be going one-on-one, to be going into people's homes. Call that dude, let, come in, let him pray over me. Again, the word sick here that we're using is referring to something that's more life-threatening. We're not talking about a toothache. We're not talking about your feet hurting. Um, call the leaders of the church to pray for you. Second of all, have them pray over you and anoint you with oil. All right, this is about to get weird, okay? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over you and anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. Let's talk about the first part of that, the pray over you part. Kind of suggests that you're so sick you can't get up. You're so sick that when someone comes to pray with you, they're actually standing over you you, because you're so sick you can't even get up well brett so okay that's the over you part let's get to that other part that oil thing what is that that is just weird brett that's weird i'll give it to you that's a little strange okay i'll I'll say this it's one of the very few places in the bible that we see this kind of language now oil is something that we see throughout scripture and anytime you see oil in scripture what it symbolizes it's a symbol and what it symbolizes it symbolizes the presence of god symbolizes the holy spirit right symbolizes that god is with you so when you think about the oil there's no magic in it there's no magical power it's not anything like that it's purely a symbol it's a it's a symbol the same way water is a symbol in baptism we watched those baptisms earlier there's nothing special about that water there's no saving power in that water it's tap water We put it in the baptistry, we heat it up to bath water temperature, and we baptize people. It's not prayed over, nobody blessed it, nothing like that. Same thing with communion. You know, we took communion earlier, and we hold the cup in our hand, and we hold that loaf. There's nothing special about those. You can go to any store and get that kind of stuff. Nobody stood over it and blessed it. I haven't come along as a pastor and laid my hands on it or anything, nothing like that. It's just a symbol. And it's just oil. When we talk about this oil, it's just a symbol. There are symbols. It's not magic. It's more about the faith that it represents. When you see a baptism, it's about the faith that's represented. When you take communion, it's about the faith that's represented. When you anoint somebody with oil, it's, it's, I know it sounds weird, and it's not something that we practice or that we do very much, but it's about the faith that's involved in, with the people that are doing it. When I was younger, when I was a young pastor... I got called by this lady, and she wanted me to anoint her with oil. She wanted me to call the elders in, and we were going to anoint her. She was in a hospital, and we were going to anoint her with oil. I'd never done this, okay? I have no idea what I'm doing. So I'm like, oil, okay, like, is it motor oil, or is it, is it I mean, is it, what kind of oil? So, I'm, so I settled on it probably needs to be something we can consume. So I'm like, okay, now I'm going to Kroger, so I'm going <laughs> to... I'm gonna to go to Kroger and get some oil. I mean, that sounds spiritual, doesn't it? I'm gonna go, go get this spiritual oil at Kroger. So I, I don't know, I don't shop, you know, I don't, I'm, I know where the meat is at Kroger, right? Um, I know where the pop is at Kroger. I, so I go into Kroger and I'm like, ma'am, could you, could you tell me where the oil is? I don't know where the, she, yeah, like it's oil, aisle eight. So I go to aisle eight or whatever aisle it is and I walk in and then, hi ho, the, have you ever seen the oil, olive oil section at the grocery store? Oh, my goodness. And I'm standing there looking at all this oil. And there's dark bottles of oil that are really expensive, and the bottles are cool. And I'm like, well, maybe I should get one of those, because that just looks spiritual. You know, it just, looks, it just looks like God would be all over that. And then at the other end of the spectrum, you got the, you know, the clear plastic bottle with Kroger written on it. And I'm like, well, God can't work through that kind of oil. I mean, who are we kidding? Right, and then some of it's really expensive, and I'm like, well, if it's for God, maybe we should spend some money on this. I mean, it, it, it's got it. That's and then there's this whole ex- other thing about extra virgin. <laughs> like, what is that all about? I don't even think I want to touch any of that. So, I mean, it was a, I didn't know what I was doing, so I bought some oil. We got together as a group of elders. We got ready to walk into this lady's room. It was a beautiful thing. Took a little bit of oil and we dabbed it to her forehead. She was sick, really sick, to the point of death sick. And the elders laid hands on her and prayed for her. It was beautiful. Now, do I do that all the time? No. Was it weird? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't always understand why God does what God does. Um, for whatever reason, when I was in college, my room was the room. I had a roommate named Kent Sparks. He's a Ph.D. in Old Testament. He's brilliant. He's written a book I'm reading right now. I can't understand it, but <laughs> it's just true. I, I talk, Having a conversation with Kent, and I'm like, uh-huh, yeah, no idea what you just said to me. But people would come into our room and we would talk, and one of the things that, at that time, one of the things we'd talk about a lot was baptism, and there was all kinds of talk about baptism. And then one day, somebody said, Brett, what do you think, why baptism? I mean, that's just a weird, it's weird. You you get in this robe, you get in this water, and they baptize you. I mean, it's just weird, isn't it weird? I was like, yeah, you know, I, I guess it is. But it just seems to me that God is into, he understands that we need word pictures. We need symbolism. We need, we need to connect it to something. I tell people, when you get baptized, and some of you need to do this. Some of you have never been baptized. You need to be baptized. You need to, some of you need to accept Christ, and you need to get baptized. But I tell people, when you're being baptized, you never physically look more like Jesus than the day you're baptized. What, what you're doing is you're proclaiming, die, you're dying to yourself. What do you do with a dead person? You bury a dead person. And then just like Jesus, what happened to Jesus? He was raised. You are raised to walk in the newness of life. There's symbolism there. There's a word picture there. There's something for us to go, oh, I get that. That makes sense to me. So when it comes to the oil, that's really all james is saying is anoint them with oil this is the this is the symbolic of the presence of god god we are going to use this oil to include you in this prayer because we believe you're here we believe you're going to respond in some way and we just want to make sure you understand we know that you're going to be with us the emphasis is not on the power of the oil it's on the power of prayer and faith number one call your church leaders to come and pray for you and anoint you with oil number two um I'm sorry, call your church leaders. Number two, anoint your head with oil. Number three, pray in the name of the Lord and pray in faith. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over you and anoint you in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. In Jesus' name, God is the healer. Healing is based on the character of God, not on who you are, not on who I am. And we pray it in faith. Hebrews says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, we talked about praying when we're in emotional pain. We talked about praying when we're in physical pain. I should pray when I'm in spiritual pain. Okay, Brett, what is spiritual pain? Guilt, shame, resentment, doubt, fear. Scripture says that our spiritual side gets messed up. It creates disease and discomfort and even illness. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Here's, here's, is, the question is, is there a connection between our sin and our illness? Sometimes, not always, but sometimes. In John chapter 9, there's a man born blind, and the Pharisees ask, who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus comes back and he says, neither one of them. This happened so that the works of God could be on display, right? This happened so that God could do something. But then on the other hand, there's a place in Mark chapter 2 where Jesus definitely connects this idea that someone's forgiven. He, He forgives this guy as he heals him. And he's definitely putting the two together. You're sick because you did something wrong. Because he says, go and don't do that because you might get even sicker than you were. So there's obviously some connection. We all know this. If we don't take care of our bodies, we get sick we don't get enough sleep, we get sick. If we don't eat right, we get sick. Whose fault is that? Our sickness sometimes is our fault because we don't take care of ourselves. We're talking about the whole person, mental, spiritual, physical, they're all intertwined. But Brett, why isn't everybody healed? Brett, can't you, why, why does my grandmother have to suffer like that? Why does my son have to suffer? Brett, why, do, why won't God, I mean, Does God get glory? Does God get pleasure out of my son being sick? Here's my answer. Are you ready? I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand why God doesn't say everybody gets healed. I don't know. We are given a strategy, however, to getting healthy and staying healthy. Verse 16, so then confess your sins to each other Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a person living right with God is very powerful and effective. That's why you need to be connected to a church. That's why you need to be involved in life group. This is psychologically sound advice. I want to show you this. Revealing your feelings is the beginning of healing. That is psychologically sound. You need to find somebody, and I don't expect it to be just anybody, but you need to have somebody that loves the Lord and loves you that you can go to and say, Hey, I need to confess to you. I need to get this off my chest. I need to talk to you about this. I'm not right. I had somebody walk up to me this morning, said, I'm not right. Tell somebody about your pain: physical, emotional, relational, fit, financial, spiritual. Finally, what kind of person can pray for healing? Does it have to be a special person? Does it have to be a pastor? Does it have to be an elder? I special nope what kind of person can pray for healing any believer you can be used by god to speak healing into somebody else's life you don't have to be a pastor you don't have to be anybody special a lot of people feel inferior and they say things like well i'm just i'm just i'm not a man or woman of great faith you know i can't do that of course you're not neither am i oh brett i'm just not worthy neither am i I'm just having a hard time resisting temptation. Me too. James ends this passage, we're almost done. James ends this passage by bringing up Elijah. He's talking about prayer and he's going on and on about prayer. And then the last verse says, Elijah was a human being even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. It says, Elijah was a human being even as we are. There's one translation that says, Elijah was a man just like me. Why does James bring up Elijah? Two reasons. One, Elijah's life was filled with miracles. It was amazing. His life was an amazing life. But we're also told that Elijah was, some, was not some superhero, right? Like he, he, he wasn't some spiritual giant. He wasn't special. He was just an ordinary guy like you and me. Praying for healing is not just for the spiritual elite. It's not just for pastors and elders and missionaries and people like that. It is your right. It is your blessing. It is your honor. It is your responsibility to pray. Elijah was a man just like us. He had to overcome fear. He had to overcome an anger problem. Elijah was lonely. He was worried. He went through emotional burnout. He was a man just like us. Here's the lesson. You don't have to be perfect to be an effective prayer. You don't have to be perfect To sometimes get some answers from God. My dream is that Cross Lane would be a place where people pray. And they believe that when they pray, God hears those prayers. And sometimes God moves into action to do miraculous things. And sometimes God says, you know what? There's something for you to learn here. I'm going to leave that just the way it is. And my prayer would be that we'd be the kind of church that we're okay with that. We get it. We understand. Okay, God, you're in charge, not me. Now, the service is over, we're done. I'm going to pray, and in a minute when I pray and say amen, you are dismissed. But there's going to be a weird thing happen at the end. If you're here this morning and you've got something going on and you would like to be prayed for, like it's serious for you and you want to be prayed for, I'm going to have some people down front, and they've got oil today. We got Oh, we got the oil today. I got it. We're inviting God's presence, we always do, but we're gonna symbolize it today with oil. They will have a little vial of oil and they're gonna listen to your prayer request and they will pray with you and anoint your head with oil and pray over you. The rest of you, when I say amen, if if that's not something you need or you wanna participate in, just simply leave. That's fine, it's no problem. But first service, we had several people that came forward and and were prayed over. So that's available to you at the end of the service today. All right, so I'm gonna pray when I say amen, you're free to go. But I want to pray over all of you, all right? Let's pray. Father, we've come today to lift up your name, to honor you, to worship you. You, you are huge in our life. We wouldn't come to church if you weren't. We're interested. We love you. We, we want to honor you. And God, we, there's not a single one of us in here that's got this figured out. There's not a single one of us that's perfect. We are failures. We, we fall flat on our face. Father, we are sinners and we confess it. But God, we know you love us. We know that you died on a cross and you forgive us, and so we live free. We are free. Lord, there's people that walked in here this morning and the world's falling apart. There's people that walked in here this morning and people they love are sick. There's people that walked in here this morning and they don't really know what they're going to do next. And they're just bewildered, they're tired, they're stressed out, they're emotional. And Lord, if they're really honest, they're just about ready to let go of the rope. I'm gonna lift them up to you. Ask you to bless them. Take their hand. Let them know that you're present. Let them know that you know they're in pain. Give them the strength. Father, if you would, heal it. Make it better. Father, there's other people that walked in here. They've gotten not a care in the world this morning. Everything is up and to the right. Life is going great. And we give you great praise. Father, you are awesome. You are great and greatly to be praised. And we honor and we worship you. And Lord, you've given us a beautiful day today. We're going to go out. It's going to be pretty weather. Thank you. Thank you for being our God. Thank you for loving us like you do. Thank you for Jesus. Father, would you use us this week, even in the weirdness, even when we do things like use oil, which is not something we normally do. It's weird for us. but We want to step into it, Father, because it's something you talk about in your Word. Help us to be your representative and your place to pray for the people that need to be prayed for. Give us great faith, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.